0: Hey, how are we going, church? Good? Glad we're not in lockdown? Yeah, come on, glad we're that, you know. Um, coronavirus has uh, disappeared again from our nation. I think I think we are, we just, it's, it's. we are funny as human beings how quickly we take things for granted, aren't we? We just, you know, we... That we're in this lockdown, and the world's going crazy, and we're like, ah, oh, this is terrible, and then we're out of it, and all of a sudden, straight back to normal, and, and we forget about it, and the rest of the world is still in the middle of this um, pandemic, and it's only when there are echoes of going back into lockdown that we think, oh, oh, gosh, yes, uh, I need to be thankful. We need to wake up every morning and be thankful for what we have. Um, not just because we're not in a pandemic, but because of the grace of God in our lives. Um, I said I would speak to... Um, so Equip, course. Equip is all about um, equipping you, because uh, uh, it's all in the name, you see. We're called equippers. And, uh, and you might go, well, what's that about? What does that mean? What, why are we called equippers? What's our you know, our ethos, our, our, our culture, our vision? All those questions can be answered for you on the Equip Call. So if you haven't been on it, I encourage you to come along. It's just we're, we're ne- Other churches do it in four weeks. We do it in two because we know you guys are super smart, and we'll just pick it up like that. And uh, so 7.30 at, at my house, just we'll finish by 9. T- for two weeks on a Sunday night, we'll give you some nice tea and coffee, and and, oh, I think there's been some baking in our house yesterday, some shortbread maybe as well, Uh, so yeah, come along, um, just speak to me afterwards, we'd love to have you in that space, Um, that'll be cool, and uh, next Sunday is Dream Sunday, so that's where we're talking about um, the dreams that you have for this year, and we're going to do what we call anointing, so um, uh, often in the Old Testament, um, people were anointed, so that is, they were kind of, uh, had Oil put on them and set aside for a purpose, and we're, so we're going to do a bit of that. We're going to do some praying. We're going to do some anointing, some setting aside of people for 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 th- things that they're believing for for this year uh, to come. So I encourage you to come along to that. That's going to be really cool. So um, we are in this series called what's it called? Do you remember something about access? Remember? Yeah. full access. That's right. I find it hilarious that for the length of the series on full access, we have been using a key that does not give us access into every part of the auditorium. Like the first Sunday of full access, we were locked out completely. But now we've got a key, apparently Craig get doing all their keys, redoing all their keys. So we've just got... Uh, a not master one. A one that kind of gets, in, gets us in the front door, but we can't get into the cupboard for the table or the cleaning cupboard or various other things. So we're talking full access, but we don't have full access. I think it's hilarious. But in God, you have full access. In God, you have the master key. He's given you, and, and this is a beautiful thing that, we, that that this whole series is about, is the fact that actually in God, we have everything we need. We have all we need for life and godliness. We have all we need for this life and beyond. We just often don't access it. I don't know about you, but over the course of 2020 and at other times in my life, I felt a bit overwhelmed. Has anybody, I probably don't need a show of hands. Has anybody felt overwhelmed before? I'm sure Aaron was feeling a little bit overwhelmed a couple of minutes ago, but yeah, we've all felt that. Now, tell you a bit of a story. I'm, I'm not much of a surfer, but in my teenage years, I had some friends who were, who were really keen surfers, and, and they were good surfers, and I, I, I thought they were pretty cool, and so I just tagged along with them, uh, more just because they were my mates, and I wanted to hang with them. More, more, than, more that than the fact that I really wanted to surf, but because they were good surfers, um, they didn't go like, if the, if the surf is really small, they, they wouldn't go out. When you're learning to surf you want the surf to be really small. So I only ever went out when the surf was big. And I only ever went out when it was way beyond my capabilities. And uh, I can remember a time going out, I think it was uh, Gore Bay, which is up north of Christchurch. Um, and uh, it, was, it was a big swell. So they were out surfing and I went out with them and you know, we drove up there and and so i had my surfboard and it wasn't you're supposed when you're learning to surf you, sh- you know you're supposed to have a bigger easier to stand up on kind of a board i didn't have one of those because i just got one free from a friend so um so i managed to get out back so out back is like beyond where the waves break and so you you wait out back beyond the the um the first set of breakers for waves to come and um and I saw, and waves often come in sets, right? They come in, they, they, they'll kind of, they're always coming, but they'll often come in like a big set. You'll have a set of big waves and it'll lull down and small waves. And I could see, you could see the swell coming, and you could see this set of waves coming, and you can kind of, it's, it, it's, a, it's a scary effect when you see this kind of um, darkening coming, and it's coming, and then it starts to creep up. And you go, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is come kind of, this is gonna be a big set. And I'm sitting out the back there going, you know, I'm 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 rubbish. I really am. <laughs> and I'm and my mates are like, Oh yeah, okay, this is it. And I'm like, yeah, this is it, this is my life. Uh, and it and it's coming in and uh and it just and it rises and it and it rears up in front of you. And uh uh it's there's a point that you're like, oh, okay. And it's up above you. And, uh, and I just remember, I just, I, you know, I tried my best, but, you know, I tried to swim into it. But I really wasn't really good at standing up. And uh, just got nailed. And then you're in this, like, um, washing machine, essentially. It's a human washing machine. And you're going over and over and over. And uh, uh, you, you kind of, eventually you get to the top. And you're like, oh, sweet. But because they come in sets, there's another Wave, and it's coming in. And, uh, and I'm not on my board because my, my board is, is tied to my ankle um, by, a, you know, a cord. So that's cool. So I'm scrambling to get my board. Before I can get my board, there's another set, and it's dumping me, and I'm over and over and over again. And, uh, and then again, and then by, you know, by the time I've heard, I'm pretty close to shore. <laughs> and I'm just—and at that point, I just walk up, <laughs> go up to the car, and try and warm myself up and uh, just leave my mates out there. Um, In the surf, and it's the feeling of of helplessness. It's the feeling of it's actually the the tumbling in the in the in the washing machine is well, it's not very pleasant, but it's not actually as bad as that feeling just before it, when this wave is coming up over you and you know there's nothing you can do. Like the the water is relentless. The sea is big and scary, and when you feel this, it's just a sense of being overwhelmed. I can't do anything in this space. I'm about to get smashed. That feeling, can you feel that feeling with me this morning? Can anyone relate? Now, maybe it's not a physical, maybe you haven't been stupid enough to go try and surf in waves that are too big for you, but that feeling of being completely overwhelmed, being unable to... To do anything about your situation, to be out, outgunned, to be outmaneuvered, and to, to realize, actually, I can't fix this myself. Even if I wanted to, even if I knew what to do, I can't actually do it. It's like and, and it's funny and, and people who study dreams, they say that if you're having dreams of a tidal wave or dreams of big waves in your life, that is indicative of this sense that you actually, in your physical waking world, you are being overwhelmed. There is th- stuff that you can't face and you're feeling confronted by and overcome. And the crazy thing is that even though we are not in lockdown, even though we are probably the safest country in the world to be in at the moment, even though we have, we've come through that and we feel like we're pretty much out the other side, and even in our wealth and our prosperity, we still feel the sense of being overwhelmed. We can still feel this sense of, oh, I, I don't know how to handle this situation. Maybe it's around your your finances. Maybe you're in a place, you're like, I actually, I don't know how I'm going to pay the next rent or mortgage or supermarket bill. Uh, or maybe it's you, you're, you're feeling overwhelmed by stress in your workplace. You're like, I don't know how to handle this situation with these people. Or maybe, maybe it's in your in your family. You've got a kid, you're just not sure how to handle their behavior and you just feel this sense of being overwhelmed. Maybe it's in your own personal life. Maybe it's a sense, actually, I'm facing these these issues, whether it be um, you know, fear, anxiety, depression, or a sin in your world that you're just feeling. Oh, I can't do this myself. Now, I don't want to. I've, I've brought you to a low point. <laughs> I've brought you to this point. I don't want to leave us here. <laughs> don't worry. My sermon's not finishing now. But I just want you to get a sense of ah, oh, that overwhelmness. Because here's the thing: the majority of the world feels like that a lot of the time. And often that person who cut you off in traffic, or who snapped at you at the wherever at your workplace, or who's been rude to you on um, Facebook or whatever it is, they're dealing with their own overwhelmedness, their own sense of not being able to cope in this world. And we just we need to bring the grace of God into that space. But to bring that grace, we need to feel it in our own lives. We need to have that. In our own hearts so today I want to give us some keys to overcoming that sense of being overwhelmed to, to give us some keys to, to how we how we negotiate these times when we feel that we can't handle it so if you want to if you've got your Bible with you then turn with me to two kings It's a story that I've never preached from and I haven't heard actually preached from before because it's a pretty Gnarly story. 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 8. It's a story of Elisha, the prophet, and, and what he does with the nation of Israel. So we'll, we'll work our way through it. But I'd just like to pray first. Father, I thank you that, God, you don't leave us in that overwhelmed place. I pray that you'll give us tools now to, to learn how to negotiate those waters and come out of it stronger by your grace. Amen. 2 Kings 6, 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. So Aram, or modern day Syria, uh, was a neighboring nation of Israel and uh, we're in the time of the kings. And so I think it was probably King Jer- who uh, Jehoram, who was the king of Israel, but he's not actually mentioned. He's just called the king of Israel. So we go on in verse 9. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. The man of God is Elisha. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. Wouldn't you like to have a man like Elisha in your life? Who's just like, hey, don't drive down that road today because there's 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 roadworks down there, and uh, yeah, you better to go this way. Or hey, don't go and meet with that person because that's gonna happen. Or don't go there. Or this, you know, a prophet like that would be pretty handy in your pocket, wouldn't it? Uh, so. Elisha he's he's this prophet the man of god and he's a, he's a prophet with a capital P like he he's he does some pretty miraculous stuff um, and he has the inside word on the movements of the Syrians or the uh, Aramaeans in verse 11 this enraged the king of aram as you'd expect he summoned his officers and demanded of them tell me which of us is on the side of the king of israel so the king of aram naturally smells a rat He's like, how is, how is it every time I go, they're not there? How is it that, that they're always one step ahead of me? Obviously, they've got an inside man. There's a, there's a spy uh, or, or inside woman. And, and so someone, they, he thinks, is spying for the Israelites. None of us, in verse 12, my Lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. That's a bit personal. <laughs> really, the very word. That's a bit intimate, Elisha. You probably um, don't need to tell the king uh, of Israel those words. But here's this thing that every, every step, Elisha has an inside word from God. All right. And this is, we read on verse 13. Go find where he is. Find out where he is, the king ordered. So I can send men And capture him. The report came back. He is in Dauphin. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Now, I find this interesting because Elisha, to this point, every time he's had an inside word about the movements of the Arameans. And yet, Right here, he doesn't. Or if he does, he ignores it. You know, either God didn't tell Elisha this time, or Elisha was told, but he was like, "Ah, oh, I'm fine. God will look out for me." Either way, Elisha is surrounded, and potentially he's going to be overwhelmed. Go back to that feeling. There's there's an army surrounding the city where he is. There's no way in or out he's potentially overwhelmed. And this is what happens in verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So the servant is freaking out and panicking. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. is a strange thing to say, Elisha, in that moment. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Thus, surround surrounded by an army. And then in verse 17, I love this. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Amazing. And here's the thing that we need to get and that Elisha got in that moment is that we, you have heaven's backing. You have heaven's backing. All of heaven is arrayed around you and is for you. And I just, I don't think we get that. I don't think we grasp the enormity of that. And, I, and my prayer today is that we, we, we get that a little bit. We grasp a little bit of the, the fact that actually standing here, sitting here today, you have the weight of heaven behind you. You have heaven for you. And that is our first key to not becoming overwhelmed in our world. Number one is simply look up. Get God's perspective. Get God's perspective. Because really this is the key which everything else will kind of flow from. Often, I don't know if you're like me, but I imagine you are, in, in our problems we get quite tunnel visioned. We get quite fixated on something that is annoying us, big or small, right? You're doing some home handiwork. You're fixing, I don't know, the door handle and you snap off a screw in the door handle. For the next hour, you are fixated on getting that, I won't use the words, screw out of the handle, right? You are, the, the problem, put, put your hand up in front of your face like this. This is us. Come on, everybody do it. Everybody do it. This is, come on, Rob, you can do it too. This is us. Your wife shouldn't have to do it for you. This is us when we have problems in our world. Now, gradually take your hand away. Right. So when we, when we get God's perspective, our problems disappear. And we see actually their size and the enormity of everything else in our world. And, and we get the right perspective. And to do that though, we need to take a step back. We need to do what Elisha said and he and he prayed. He said, Open open your open this man's eyes to to the reality. We need to actually go, okay, God, show me reality in this situation. Show me actually where I'm at. And then possibly not fixing your door handle, your you know, angels will probably not, you know, pull that out for you. But, but you'll, get, you'll get a sense of, actually, this is not such a big deal. I'm getting snappy with my kids and everyone because of this little thing. And it gives us perspective. There are, there, are, there are different pathways to getting that perspective. Praise is a great pathway. That's why we praise every time we come into this space. The first thing we do is we praise God because it takes our eyes off ourselves and sets our eyes on God. Have you noticed that? That after, after praising God, actually, you've taken your mind off those things in your week that have been bugging you and you're getting a fresh perspective. Praise does it. Even though it's hard to do it, right? When you're feeling overwhelmed, to praise is a real sacrifice. It's a real hard thing to, to bring. But when we do it, it gives us perspective. And, and you could say worship is their prayer. Just just praying to God. God, help me in this. As simple as that. He will give you perspective. So, For some of us, just nature can really help. If you don't even feel, I can't even, I can't even pray the words, just go for a walk in the garden. Look at the stars in the heavens. Get some perspective. Oh, actually, there's a world going on around me. <laughs> this isn't such a big deal. Actually, God, you, you created this universe. You threw these stars into the heavens. You're big enough to do that. You're big enough to deal with my problem in the here and now. Talk to a trusted friend. Get some perspective from them. I have to say, Maya is my, is my you know, my go-to. And often it's your spouse, but it could be a close friend. Someone who can give you perspective and say, hey, well, you know, you're bigger than this. God is bigger than this in you. You can, ha- you can get through this. There is a way. here. Here's some perspective on this. That's why e-groups are so important. I said the other day, I was, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed on Tuesday, and on Wednesday night I had e-group, and I just, getting prayed for by my e-group, I just felt, ah, oh, actually, you know, that's okay. There's perspective there. See, the enemy works by isolating us. He loves to get us to think that we're alone with that problem. And he'll, he'll isolate us, and he'll get us to think, ah, oh, actually, this is all on you. There's no way out. You're alone, and when he gets you there, he's won half the battle. Elisha's servant was kind of in that place. He was panicking, right? He was alone in his own head, and he was freaking out. He was like, "Ah, look, we're surrounded. Help!" And and it wasn't until Elisha asked God, "Open his eyes," that he actually saw and he gained perspective. Ah, oh, all heaven is for me. All heaven. The things that are surrounding me, God is surrounding them. He is bigger still than my problem, than my issue, than that wave that is potentially overwhelming you. I love how Hebrews 12, if you want a New Testament version of this. Hebrews twelve verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. There is a great cloud of witnesses in the heavenly realms cheering you on. The picture that the writer is talking about here is is essentially like um, the the games in Rome where there's a, there's a massive stadium and, and there's a crowd of witnesses cheering you on as you run your race. So there's a crowd, there's an army behind us. Because the truth of the matter is that you might think, well, for, that's great, Elisha. There's all these spiritual beings, but there's still an army of flesh and blood facing you. But the truth of the matter that we often forget is that we don't fight against Flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 tells us we fight against the rulers and the powers and the principalities of the, this dark world. There's actually a spiritual battle going on in our hearts. The battle's won first inside before it's ever won externally. We often see the problem as just purely physical. Often there's a spiritual element to it. And so we kind of need to address it at both levels. We need to get that perspective, a spiritual perspective. That Jesus has won the victory for us once and for all. 1 John 4.4 4 says the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So there is one in you who has overcome everything. So we fight from that place, that, that internal strength, if you like, that comes from his grace in us. But also externally, physically, you're not alone. Don't ever think you're alone. Give me a call. <laughs> Give your e-group leader a call. Give your friend, your, your fellow Christian a call. You're not alone in this. What was the saying? A, a problem shared is a problem halved. Often we just need to tell someone about what we're facing. Share it with, with God, yes, but share it with those around you as well. So that's my first point is get God's perspective on it any way you can. Get God's perspective in that situation that's overwhelming you. Let's read on in verse 18. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me. And I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. So if our first key is to, to gain perspective, to look up, to realize that heaven is with us, then our, our second step is to, Pray if we're, we're probably praying already if we're asking for that, but then to take a courageous step, to take a step of faith from that new perspective, from that place, we need to act courageously. Because to overcome our fears, we don't just get God's perspective and leave it there. We actually need to take a step of faith. Yeah, um, James, I think, is, is says that, you know faith without works is dead. We need we need to activate something and do something with it. So here Elisha doesn't just simply get the perspective of heaven and say, Oh look, we've got heaven's armies around us. Sweet. Now I can go back to bed. No, he's like does this crazy thing, which is it seems pretty bold, but he prayed. Like, I like this. He doesn't just act. He prays and then he acts. I think too often we're like, oh, we get God's perspective. Right. And then we just charge off and do our own thing. No, no. He prays. He says, okay, God, blind them. Imagine if he'd just gone out without praying that prayer. Elisha's toast. (laughs) He'd be taken. But he prays and then he acts. I think that's a great kind of sequence for us. We get God's perspective. We pray about what we do and then we act in faith. And I think God delights in answering audacious, crazy prayers. I think he takes special delight in doing things that surprise us when we ask. Even when we ask with a faithless, nothing, kinda, n- nothing in us prayer, I think God still loves to act on that. I, I had a story this week. Uh, this is completely God because it couldn't have been me. So I went... Um, I was down in Dunedin studying uh, on a block course for the week, staying with a friend, Jake. He's a really keen cyclist. We went out for a bunch ride um, called Sam's. It's like a, they do it every week and they they bike out to a point and then they race back. And I prayed, it was just a throw off the cuff prayer. I was like, God, help me win this. Like, just like, yeah, I had no chance. is like these guys who are elite level riders, half my age, in this bunch. I was like, you know. I'm never going to win this, but hey, God, that would be awesome if I could. That was essentially my prayer. And blow, blow me down if I didn't win it. Now, yes, there was a crash in the bunch behind. <laughs> hey, why are you laughing? <laughs> no, I'm not saying God caused that crash. I did not ask him to cause a crash. Just just saying, just saying. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't race against me. You're going to hear yeah. it, Ben. <laughs> yeah. I won't no. no, but okay, I had to be in the play my friend and I, Jake, so this is a beauty of it. I've known Jake for 20 years. we've we flattered together, and we've always had this competition. Uh, he, and uh, he's a great guy. He's actually now, um, as of like four weeks ago, pastoring Equipper's Mosgiel, which is very cool. Um, so Mosgiel, the other side of the hill from in Dunedin. But anyway, uh, so the two of us coming out of Outram, he he jumped away and I just jumped on his wheel and made him do most of the work because I couldn't do a lot. And uh, and we were out the road and we were just looking back, the bunch is there, the bunch is there, oh, the bunch isn't there anymore because we were expecting them to come across to us and they probably would have. But hey, I won it. And I was like, wow, God, you just did that for me. You didn't have to. It was just a throw off prayer and it really wasn't shared with a lot of faith. Um but I think God delights in doing crazy things. And to, when, we, when we just pray these silly prayers, sometimes God's like, yeah, I can do that. Let me show you what I can do. So Elisha prays, okay, God, just make them all blind. Not just the lead, all of them, the whole army, make them blind. And God does. And then he does, I love this, this is the original Jedi trick. He's like, these are not the droids you were looking for. <laughs> he's, he's like, these are not the men you are looking for. This is not the city you are looking for. And then, and, then he, and that's where Star Wars got it from, I'm sure. And then he, he leads them on this merry walk. And, and, you know, you think about it. At any time their eyes could have been open, and then Elisha's standing with his army around him. But he takes this step of faith. He trusts God and he boldly leads the city this, sorry, this army to a completely different city. Um, yeah, okay, let's, let's read on. Verse 21. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. I love that. So he takes, he prays, he takes a step of faith and God comes through. And then, and this this is my third point, is that we we need to remember to always live with grace and with mercy, to always do these, these acts, these courageous things with mercy, with grace. Because Elisha could have had the, this army slaughtered, right? He's led them from having been captive. He's now led them into captivity. And the king of Israel, he's pretty keen, right? He's like, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Can I? Can I? Can I kill them? And, and Elisha's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, cool down. You know, if you had captured them in battle... You, you, you wouldn't have just slaughtered them. So hey, let's let's show them mercy. And so instead of getting slaughtered, they, they prepare a great feast. And only after they've finished eating and drinking do they then send them back to their master. And because of that, it says there, so the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. I don't know how long they stopped for because the next chapter, they're back at it. But for a season... It stopped because they showed them mercy. And I, I love that idea of being prepared a feast in the presence of your enemies. Does it remind you of something? Psalm 23. The psalmist David is writing, and he's, he's essentially talking about God. He's talking about Jesus. And in verse 5, you know that Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In and, and, and verse 5, he says, you prepare a table For me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Jesus loves to throw feasts for those who are surrounded, who are overwhelmed, who are in that place of, "Um, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. That's when Jesus loves to come in and do a miracle and throw a feast. And do something so extravagant that we're just like, I don't deserve this, God. Why did you do this? You did this for me? I, I, I love it. And that is, that is the grace of God. And this is almost like a foreshadowing. Or, or like, these enemies of God are surrounded. And yet they're shown grace. You know, not so very long ago, we were enemies of God in our sin and in our in our turning away from Him, and yet He surrounded us with His grace, and He prepared a feast for us. Because feast, it, it, it's an allegory. It's it's a um, it's a it's a picture of the final time. A feast. One day we're gonna we're gonna face judgment, and we're gonna go into the great banquet hall when we're going to feast with God. We're going to be celebrating forever with him. It reminds me of that story. You know, Jesus tells a parable of a king who throws a feast, and he invites the people in, and and they they refuse him. They turn him away, And and then the king, who obviously represents God, says, go into the highways and the byways. Just compel people to come into this space. So that, I love it, in, in Luke 14, 23, it says, so that my house will be full. That's God's heart. He wants none to perish. He wants to invite all in to that great feast. Jesus loves us so much and he's inviting us. He's always inviting us to the table. And I, I actually, I wonder in this moment, I'll invite keys to come up. Whether you've been invited before and you are refused or or this is your first invitation but it, it doesn't actually matter. The door is always open and Jesus is inviting us to dine with him. He's inviting us to come into relationship with him. And so just maybe we close our eyes, bow our heads just out of respect for those around us. If you're here this morning and you think Actually, I'm. I don't know if I'm. If I have a seat at the wedding banquet, if I if I if I have a seat at the table of God, all you need to do to come is to say, "Yeah, I I want a seat. Book me a place, God." You know, we were created way back in the beginning, Adam and Eve. We were created. In this good relationship with God. But in our foolishness, we chose to disobey. We chose to turn away. We, the, it's called the fall. We are broken. We are sinful. And that separated us from God. But the good news in Jesus Christ is that we can be restored into right relationship with God simply by coming to Him and asking for forgiveness. And then we have the hope, as I said, of this eternal banquet, of this future hope where, where every, every tear will be wiped away, where every hurt will be healed, where we will be complete and with God forever. But somewhere to, to get to that point, we must invite God and through His Son, Jesus. So just with every eye closed, here, about if you're here and you think, man, I, I need to take that step of faith and invite Jesus into my heart so that I can have not just the new now, but also the eternal for the future. If that's you, I just encourage you, raise your hand. I'll see it and you can put it down. Is there anybody here who wants to make that I'm assuming a lot of you, most of you have already. But maybe you're here and you're like actually I need to make that commitment again. That's okay. God God responds to a humble heart. If that's you and you think, yeah, I I want to commit again. I want to do that again. Just raise your hand and I'd love to pray with you. That's cool. Okay. You can raise your eyes. And look at me. I actually want us to, to stand in this moment because I want, you, I want to take you back to that place that I started with. Just stand to your feet, please. That'd be awesome. Uh, that's a place we started where you, I, I, I built that sense of being overwhelmed. I don't know if you feel that sense. It was a long time ago. But I know, I know that coming in here, we can get perspective. We can get like, okay, oh yeah, God's in control. And we can have that for a moment, but then we walk back out these doors and we walk back into those problems, right? We walk back into that situation. And so I actually wanna pray for you this morning that, that, that the, the perspective you gain here doesn't just last for a moment. That, that the perspective and, the, and the, maybe the steps that God has given you in this space to walk out that, that they don't just disappear the moment you walk out the door, that actually you can carry them into your week and you, and you can walk with a sense, I'm not gonna be overwhelmed by that situation at work or that family or that uh, finance or whatever it is, that I can walk it out by the grace of God. So just, again, if, if that's you and you think, man, yes, there is an area in my life I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling the pressure is on and I just wanna pray for you this morning for that perspective to last if you have courage to walk through. So just raise your hand if that's you and let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you are bigger than any problem we face. Your grace is for us in every situation. All heaven is backing us and we thank you for that. And I pray today that God we would go forth from this place with that sense that you are with us that we can overcome this problem by your grace and I pray right now you would give us the steps you would give us the the physical things we need to do but also the spiritual uh, I guess mindset we need to have to overcome and God you would help us this week by your grace to do that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to finish with this thought. In, in this story, Elisha, you know, he does his Jedi trick. He says, this is not the man you're looking for. I actually believe, while I'm taking a liberty here, because Elisha leads him to the King of Israel, actually, the man that you are looking for, the man that we are all looking for, is the King of Israel, the King of kings, is Jesus. And, and actually, in, your, in whatever situation you're, you're in, the man you're looking for, the God you are looking for, is found in Jesus. And if I can encourage you to do anything else this week, is with your overwhelmed situation, with whatever it is you're facing, bring it to Jesus. He wants to be there for you in that space. He wants to help you walk through that. He's the man you're looking for. Amen.